Are you just about to set out on the journey of planning a wedding and not sure where to start? Maybe planning from interstate or even overseas? Or simply time poor? This is the Web Chats Podcast with your host, Dave Lenduar and Kelly Eddy. Each week, Dave and Kelly interview the premier wedding vendors, chat to couples planning a wedding and couples who have recently celebrated their big day. The Web Chats Podcast is a show full of wedding inspiration tips and thought-provoking topics to help you plan your perfect wedding. All right, hello and welcome to the show this evening. I hope you're all well. And uh, tonight we have with us uh, Danny Eddy, who's a musician, uh, a musician that I've known for more than 15 years in our wedding industry, a fantastic person, um, a fantastic muso. And uh, I'd like to welcome Danny to the show. But before I do, obviously Kelly, well, not obviously, but Kelly is here with us this evening. The thing here with is Danny is Kelly's husband, and uh, they play in a band together sometimes. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that tonight. So welcome, Danny. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for your kind words. Oh, it's true. It's true. It's welcome, very true. Danny. Welcome Thank to you. our office. Thanks, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, tell us a little bit about your history. When did you start playing and um, how long you've been playing for? Uh, I've been playing my whole life. I started playing guitar in late primary school. I was self-taught, so it took a long time to get to the stage where I could get a, a gig, so to speak. But yeah, did the typical high school band thing. Um, my first working band um, was when I was in probably year 11, and, and me and my mates thought we were pretty damn cool going off to play pub gigs you know, on a Wednesday or Thursday night, maybe at the Jam Club in Mall or the Tura Hotel, and then rock up to school the next day looking like death, thinking we were just total rock stars. So, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> forming career started back then. Um, in fact, that band has, was reforming this year, just just reuniting, not, not reforming, reuniting just for a bit of a one-off gig, but then with lockdown and everything happening, we've... Uh, We've ended up collaborating distantly and getting a couple of clips up on YouTube. So it's, it's been really good fun to reconnect. But I digress. From there, in my very late teens, early 20s, I joined my first wedding band. And, uh, and that was a, a whole new world. The Duskers? No, this wow. was before Dusk Till Dawn. This was, um, this was a band called Broadway, which featured Dave Mumford. Oh. And Peter Seffler and Nick Bombo and Brian Glasper, guys that are still playing around the area. And that was a real trial by fire for me to, to see that, uh, you know, you had to be very different. You couldn't be all cool and rock and roll and get drunk like a pub gig, um, like a wannabe rock star. You had to actually dress nicely. And it was the show wasn't about me anymore. It was about this couple that I didn't know. And, yeah, and I spent most of my 20s playing weddings with those guys and then with the Duskers, Dusk Till Dawn. Um, another great local wedding band, and we did a lot of dead balls and that sort of thing. In between, I was in a band called Get Wet that was a, a local originals band, and we had a little bit of modest success in getting a little bit of local radio airplay and lots of really good support slots, supporting artists like Barnsey, Kate Sobrano, Susie Quattro, Braithwaite. Yeah, when they all played at the Dome back in the day. Dun, dun. Oh, wow, the Dome. <laughs> So you've obviously lived in uh, Tarragon or, or Latrobe Valley your whole life. Yeah, yeah. I was originally out at Churchill. First lived out at Churchill in Morwell and, and then Tarragon. 
So what sparked your passion for music? Like what made you get into it? Um, my parents were both musicians. My dad's a sax player and mum's a piano player. And I think even more than them, Kiss, the band Kiss. <laughs> made you become a musician because yeah. you wanted to wear the makeup and Not sure dress up in was... those sexy clothes. Have you got a really long <laughs> tongue or what? <laughs> I may have. <laughs> So you've shared actually a lot of your experience there, Daniel. You've been playing, well, what does that make it? That's 20, 30 years you've been playing at weddings. Yeah, yeah, about about 30 years of weddings, I reckon. <laughs> and how, how do you feel about that? Like, is it still, you still enjoy it? Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely love it. I, I went through stages where uh, I got a bit over weddings when I did so many in my 20s and I I put on a lot of kilos playing at weddings and getting fed wedding food and, you know. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, the not getting, I guess, the reward of the, you know, like most musicians have a bit of a bit of an ego. They don't mind being up on stage and getting that applause and, and, and getting that back. So I probably went through a stage where I was a bit over weddings but that was many years ago, and now I, I just love them again. And I think being more mature, I've, I've gotten well past that and realised that, you know, there's a lot of joy to be had in helping make someone else's day special and, and seeing it all go off without a hitch. So And not being yeah. the person that pe people are coming to see as such, like you just kind of background. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's different the pressures. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Not the not the main attraction. So there's that pressure isn't there, but there are other pressures. I always find weddings high pressure, as I'm sure you two know. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much you enjoy what you're doing, there's a lot of tension, a lot of expectation, a lot of money wrapped up in that day. So yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be good. It's gotta be well done. So I'm not saying it's easy and we're off the hook. It's a different reward when it goes well. You um definitely have humbled yourself then because I haven't experienced any of that rock star smashing the guitar experiences at weddings over the in the last fifteen years, Danny. So obviously um have felt that way for a while. Well, the photographers usually bail at about ten, so you miss all the good stuff after that. <laughs> We do. We're going by 10 generally, yes, because then it just gets oh. loose and it's just like, wow, okay, yeah, we don't need to be here. Sometimes we envy you when we see you walking out the door. I'm clocking off. We're like, oh, man. Yeah, you're stuck with it to we the end. we another two or three hours to go. Until we remember the time you started. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, sometimes we do start some ridiculous hours, but tonight's not about us, so... Tell me, Dan, what's your philosophy regarding wedding gigs? What sets you apart? So I, well, I, I think I covered a little bit of that just then, actually. Um, it, it's not about me or, or any of us. It's it's about that couple and their loved ones. So that's my philosophy. And, and the way that plays out practically, I try and be invisible until we need to be visible. So, and this goes right back to the first contact, I'll, rather than a full-on sales pitch and a, and a big, oh, yeah, we can do whatever, I'll try and just reassure people and say, you know what, I've done this lots of times, um, let's just have a, a chat and I'm sure I'll get a feel for, for what you guys like. You don't need to meet me. You don't need to send me all sorts of details. If you're happy to lock it in, I'll lock it in. I'm not going to double book you. In the weeks in the lead-up, I'll make contact to check that we're, we're still right to go and if there's any special requests. So the way I look at it, I'm a professional, I've done it 
God knows how many times, I don't need to be in their face and to be making it all about me. I know what to do. Um, there's certainly room for people to have to put their spin on it. More often than not, they've got bigger fish to fry than a musician who's got a thousand questions for them. Yeah, that I think that's what really sets it apart is it's completely no fuss and it's it's back in their court. It, and I always say to people, you know, let's say it's a year out, I'll say, feel free to, to contact me each month if you if you want to make sure I'm still here <laughs> and still got you in my diary. Yeah, but yeah. trust me, you know, you, you talk to me in December and we'll be right to go. So, and then on the night, I, like I talk to the venue to make sure I know where to park, where to get in and all that sort of thing so that I'm not interrupting people or harassing the mother of the bride to, you know, can you hold that door for me or can I squeeze through your guests, please? It's all done and dusted without any fuss so that when they and their guests into the, the reception, we're ready to go. It's nice and neat and looks good. It's not detracting from the look of their room and we, yeah, we're not disturbing anyone or upsetting anyone. And I think that's a sign of a true professional when you uh, can, you know, um, disappear into the background and not have to deal with anyone or not deal but speak with anyone and interrupt their day, their evening. Um, you just – it just happens. It just flows. So that's a sign of a true professional in my mind. I think yeah. it's similar for us. Like yeah. we like to just blend into the evening especially. Obviously people see us if a flash or two goes off but um, – yeah, blending in is a nice feeling, isn't it? And I think I can relate to the professional thing and been doing it a long time. So, yeah, no, that's really nice to hear. Do you offer um, other services beyond performing at the reception? Yeah, look, the, the obvious one would be performing at the, um, the actual service, the ceremony, which I didn't do for a long time, but mostly because I was busy just with family and, and work and everything else. So, I didn't need the wedding on the Saturday to be the entire day. But as I've rearranged my life and I have more time to do the thing that I love, which is music, and my wife that I love is a celebrant. Uh, it's he loves of... you, Cal. He does. <laughs> he does. We've got that on record. That's really nice. I'm recording that. <laughs> yeah. It's like a two-for-one package, though, I guess, like with the celebrant stuff, it's nice for us to be able to do that side of things together. Like Dan can watch me do my thing and I can watch him do his thing and, you know, we can get there together and set up and I can unwind some leads in the wrong order and plug them into the wrong spots and just be a real pain <laughs> in the ass, really. But, yeah, you are doing more ceremonies now. Yeah, yes, I really enjoy that because now I, I feel like I've got a connection to that part of the day as well. So I used to kind of think, oh, gee, what am I going to do? Two songs, oh, I've got to set up all my gear, I've got to drive somewhere, you know. <laughs> This is a more hassle than it's worth. But now that I've got someone there that I'm invested in and I want to see in action, it's opened that whole part of the day up as, as something that I'm, I'm really interested in now. So, yeah, so there's that. There's a the MC thing, although I wouldn't claim that I do many MC gigs at all. But on the other hand, I feel like I do nearly all of them, <laughs> but not for money. <laughs> Because I'm sure you guys know what it's like. Most people get, you know, their brother or cousin or someone who's a bit funny on a microphone. Or thinks they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> and they have no idea 
how to keep a show rolling, keep things on track, or what the MC really should be doing. And, and they're half full of juice. And and drum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's keeping that sort of stuff on track that you do a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. And that I guess that's another part of the, the um, maturity and professionalism is that yep. I can just help that person along without taking the, the glory away or, or letting the audience know that I'm propping them up, but just quietly say, right, yeah, maybe it's time to do this do you, you want a hand yeah i've i've seen so many over the years that have just lost it and you're just thinking oh my goodness just take control just yell into that microphone just get people seated yeah because people are just like blah, blah 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 and they're not even hearing yeah so yeah good on you for doing that because uh yeah i've seen so many come undone over the years Oh, or what do I say? Microphones. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> or screaming into the microphone. Yeah, screaming in and and then there's the oh, oh um they're not listening to me. They're not listening to me. <laughs> yeah. oh, 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 what do I do? What do I say? The other end of it though too, like we've had a wedding where we had someone who did the MC gig and it was their first term, but they had everything like meticulously written down and they wanted it to be to the second. And we had to have like a band debrief meeting with the MC before we got started. I think you shot that one. Um, Where was that? At Bonnie Bray. Oh, yes, yes. That's he was gorgeous. He was so invested in it and he just wanted to make sure he was right on the money and we knew what he was doing. And he was kind of trying to school us in a way without even realizing it was quite entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's funny when you you get schooled a little bit by someone that's the first timer and you've been doing it for 25 years. I have experienced that a few times as well. Maybe if you stand over there and take it from that angle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no worries, dude. <laughs> That's totally wrong with the sun. But anyway, thank you very much for your input. So just stepping back a little bit, when you do the ceremonies, that's a solo thing, isn't it? You just do that, just you, acoustic, solo. Is that correct? Yeah, usually. But um, having said that, probably the last one I did before we got locked up was uh, with Kel as the celebrant. (laughs) (laughs) All gone to jail. (laughs) We didn't mention that. (laughs) Yeah, Kel was a celebrant and they wanted her to sing as well. So she... uh, She's... Yeah. We we actually did a, a duet on a song that she was multitasking to I was the extreme. Here. I She's... was there. I was here. I was there. It yeah. was yeah. In theory it sounded great, but it was really It was it was hard. hard. We were nervous, but I reckon it I reckon the audience liked it. Yeah. I reckon it went well. That would have been a bit of a spin out for them actually, I think. It was actually like yeah. there, was, so there was a couple of people in like the family and friends that kind of looked at me when I walked around to walk in between the couple and they were like, What's the show just over there? Huh? What? Who is she? <laughs> and then we did uh, like a set afterwards after the ceremony as well. So because obviously I can't sing while they're signing the documents being a celebrant. Dan had to do that solo. But then we sang as they after they'd been announced husband and wife and then quickly had to run around the back of Fulham Park and set up, which was a disaster, but um, <laughs> and play for another five minutes. So. Oh, wow, that would have been interesting. One hat on, one hat off. Like, wow. It's it's probably the same when, when I do both stills and video at weddings. Some weddings I've, I'm doing literally both. I've got that moment of going, oh, what camera have I got in my hand yeah. here? What's your favourite part of a wedding? Like of performing at a wedding. What do you love um, the most about it? Oh, I just love getting 
lots of people on the dance floor. I think that's the biggest reward when you see everyone's having fun. The bride and groom, if they're if they're part of it and they're dancing with their friends, that's just that's made the the night for me because that's what that part of the event is about. It's about letting the hair down and and having uh, yeah relaxing and making sure they're and you know there's all the the horror stories about people who overthink it so much and they worry about who they've spoken to and where people are sitting and whether something's happening on time and so you don't want to see a bride and groom that are caught up in the stress at that point so if i see them amongst the guests on the dance floor and they're just letting everyone come to them this is where i am come at me that's that's great i'm dancing yeah that's your rock star moment without them actually giving you applause that's your rock star moment well, yeah, maybe that's it. Although you know, there's some crowds that are going to be on the dance floor, even if you're really bad. And there's <laughs> other crowds. It doesn't matter how good you are. Actually, you know what I find is venues. There's some venues that are so hard to get people up out of their seats. So it can be yeah, okay, like that's interesting. A great crowd or whatever else, but it's just whether it's the layout of the floor plan, and so it's intimidating for people to walk. Yeah. But yeah, there's. I agree with you because I do. I guess sometimes that's a little bit of downtime for us is when we're just trying to get that bit of party atmosphere. And if no one's on the dance floor, it's really difficult for us to get that those finishing shots for our night. And you can see that the band's trying really hard, but there's people that are just like, yeah, no, we're not going out there. We're too on display. We're too on show. So, yeah, have another beer or two before we get out there. What's the usual setup or lineup for a wedding? Do you, do you like, you play most bands, uh, most weddings solo, or do you have a band? Or, you know, obviously Kel works with you sometimes. So, how does that work? Uh, look, it's changed over the years, and I'm not sure if it's a financial thing or it's just how it's rolled, but. I used to, it was always a wedding band. You know, people always had a wedding band and they were always at least four piece, perhaps five or six piece. And then over the years, there was more and more artists that were uh, solo or duo. And Dave, you'd remember the days of the MIDI files where every duo would turn up and put on this crappy sounding backing track that they downloaded. On the mini discs? Yeah. Yeah. Horrible yeah. bit rate and just no life in it, no, you know, like a drum machine sort of thing. And and it really drove the price down. I remember back in that era being in a wedding band and finding more and more bands were, were really struggling to get bookings because there were these other options that were half the price. So I think that's where it stemmed from. And nowadays you've got loop pedals and harmony pedals and all these sorts of things that can make a solo or a duo artist sound like a, a pretty much a full band. Yeah. So I think all that has resulted in my wedding bookings being more often than not maybe a, a, a two or three piece. I, I kind of I almost flatly refuse to do them solo unless it's someone that I know or it's a really small venue or number of guests because everybody, they say they want a cruisy thing, but once it's party time, they want their guests on the dance floor. And it is such, yeah. such hard work for one guitarist to get people dancing for three or four hours. It is just a – if I have, if I'm forced into that corner, I probably want to charge more than I'd charge for a four-piece band because I'm doing all that work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Because you've got to really work hard, don't you? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it really is. And you know, drums are just such a primal thing that people people love a beat and they love the sound of drums. So it almost guarantees you, you're going to get people on the dance floor if you've got a drummer there. So that's what I normally go for. I say, look, you really need at least a three-piece. So there's myself and a drummer and Cal or a bass player or whatever the, the vibe might be. But yeah, really, I, I still, if people have got the room for it and, and the budget, it's really hard to beat a full four-piece band because then everyone's doing their their proper role. I'm, I'm just the guitarist. I'm not trying to play bass and guitar and thump it to get a drum sound or whatever, it's, you know. We, we've got a proper lineup and we can do proper songs and sound like a proper band and, and have a great party. So that's still the the ideal, but, yeah, definitely things have changed over the years. I think so, it's on the room size as well. Like some people sort of don't have, you know, you think about Bonnie Bray, for example, you struggle to fit a four-piece up on the back of that truck. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah. Even a three-piece is quite squishy. So I think it depends on the size of the room, people's budgets, and what sort of feel they're after. So you, as a, when you have those meetings with couples, you kind of extract that information from them as well. You know, what sort of feel are you after? What's the room like? You kind of got to probe them with those questions, but also sell it in the best way that you can too for them. Yeah, that's right. It's, again, getting back to that, it's about them. So I normally talk to them about whether they're, a musical couple you know some couples music plays a huge part in their their life they go to festivals together and they're just you know they're always out together that's where i'd be talking to them more specifically about what they hope to hear and what their friends might be dancing to but yeah there's others where it's like oh i don't know thought we should have a band and so there's not a lot of point in in uh going the whole hog in in that instance what would you prefer as your lineup when you think about a wedding? Like, would you, what would be your go to? The full four piece, or would you sort of say trio? No, I think the four piece is great. Yeah, it's just whether that's just because that's what I did for 20 years of weddings, but I, all the bands that we love, if you go and see a band, it's pretty rare that they're going to be a three piece. If you're going to Rod Laver anywhere, if you look at, you know, Powderfinger or Cheese yeah. or whatever, yeah. there's only really crowded house that did the, the three piece thing any good, and even they had a, secret keyboard player or second guitarist hiding off stage. Did they really? Yeah, they usually had someone else that wasn't one of the focal points that was helping him out. That sort of leads into this next question, Dan. Do couples have um, much input into the music of their day? Yeah, as I say, I, I try and talk to them about that and get a feel for whether that's something they want to have input into and whether it's hugely important to them or whether they just want a live band for the for the general vibe so and and getting back to my earlier point about you know not loading someone up with i don't want to put all this responsibility on a bride and groom's shoulders about what i should be playing and all that sort of thing if they're not really hugely into that it's really it can backfire and i reckon this will resonate (laughs) with you because I'm sure you've had people who've said, hey, why don't you try this? Or maybe we want you to do this or that. You know <laughs> a lot better through experience. And I, you know, I, I, two gigs spring to mind immediately. I had one couple that had this genius idea of putting on their wedding invitations. They they had a, in the RSVP section, tell us three songs you want the band to play on the night. Oh, what? And so they told me this and I went, oh, that's novel. Oh, cool. No worries. And I thought, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll get 40 requests for Wonderwall and, you know, 40 requests for the horses and that'll be it. But I got an, a huge list and 
a lot of them were quite clearly jokes, and some of them were uh, okay. Uh, some of them were songs like you know the Macarena and things that you just don't. I don't. I don't do. You know, they're not play them during the break yeah. <laughs> when you're having a break or having a meal. Yeah, that's when you put S Club Seven on and in sync and <laughs> yeah. But oh, there was, it was it was it turned into an absolute nightmare because the couple were really set on the idea and. Um, and so I had to work as many as I could into our set list, but it really messed with our flow because they weren't, I mean, there were a handful that, that went fine, yep. but the majority, and there were people coming up going, when's my song coming on? And there were, oh, it was, oh. it was a nightmare from my point yeah. of view, that particular, you know, it started out as a great idea. So that was a little bit of a fail through perhaps too much input. And another one was, a couple of friends that had been at lots and lots of my pub gigs over the years and they handpicked the lineup. They said, we want that drummer that you did, you played at Starbar with and we want that, that bass player and and here's, you know, our, our set. They wrote the set lists for me. It was Whoa. great music, but it was Sunday sipper, winery vibes, lots of Ben Harper, lots of, you know, like all, all songs I loved, but I was trying to, say in a nice way, hey, your guests aren't, aren't going to dance. Half your guests won't know any of these. And they're like, oh, it's our day. This is what we want. And I just, I went, okay, that's fine. You're paying me. But, geez, that was a hard night. It was a long, hard night of no dancing and of people requesting songs that they had expressly said they didn't want. I feel like we probably got no gigs booked from that wedding. Normally you get your bookings from... Your, your weddings, you know, your next one's coming out of that. But, yeah, so in answer, you know, long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> Dave, I'm more than happy to, to delve into that with couples and talk through that stuff. But sometimes, yeah, they can have a little bit too much control and, and it's to the detriment of the, the guests' entertainment. So would it so be easier to say, what's your father-daughter dance or are you having a father-daughter dance or a special person dance? What's your entry song and are you having a bridal waltz? Give me one or two other songs that you might like. Yeah. 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 And, and as I say, I normally, very early in the conversation, ask them how into music they are. You know, are you music lovers? What do you listen to? And even if, even just saying to someone, what music do you like? You can tell in, in two seconds whether they're a huge music fan that's going to want input or not. Or whether some they're country go, oh, Just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But do you do you have a list of your songs that you know work really well that you give to a couple and say, guys, I know that these songs will always have your dance floor full? Do you do anything like that? Or is there something similar to that sort of thing that you may do or may not do? Not really. And, and it gets back to not wanting to um, overload them unless they're really interested in that. So. Yeah. You know, 99 times out of 100, they'll just go, oh, cool, this guy's taken that worry away from us and they're happy to. And that's what you want because then you know what to do to take people on that journey at night, don't, uh, during that's, the night, don't you? Yeah, exactly right. And every crowd's different. Like you've kind of yeah. got to adapt. You know, you go in with a set list and think, yep, this is our structure, this is what we're going with, and then you get halfway through it and think, oh, that's just not getting it. You know, we really need to smash in those medleys now or the mashups or that, you know, you need to change things up a little bit or this crowd really loves the older stuff or, shit, these guys are country fans, we've got to whip out some <laughs> stuff from the archives. <laughs> yeah. 
And sometimes you really got to bend those rules of what you thought you were going to do because if it's an empty dance floor at the start, which quite often is until people get enough juice into them. Um, <laughs> so if, if there's a couple of people that you can see or may have already come up and said, oh, when do you start? Do you play any Madonna? Well, I'll just go, well, let's do that because they'll break the ice. They'll get their table on the floor and then you can go along with what you were originally going to do. You've already got people dancing. How do you deal with a request if you know that that song is just like going to take, it's going to cut the vibe that you've built to get to? Do you wait until later on to put it in somewhere at the start of another set or do you even do it? Do you say, no, sorry, I don't know that song? How do you deal with that? And I've always prided myself on, on doing requests and I'll probably do them less maybe having cal along like she didn't have quite as long a musical history as myself not just because she's younger but (laughs) um so you know if it was a bit unnerving for her if i'd go oh we're gonna do this three four and you know like i've i've usually surrounded myself with musicians who amazingly good at just turning on a dime and following me to wherever but when it's another singer who's got to then either stand there awkwardly because she's never heard of the song or you look like, what the hell are you doing because this wasn't on our set list. Or <laughs> people ask me to sing a song that's completely out of my vocal range and, I, you know, you don't even want to embarrass yourself by giving it a crack. Like... Yeah, because, yeah, back to your question, I quite often say to people, great song, but I can't sing Axl Rose. You know, no one can sing Axl Rose. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Axl or, or Jimmy Barnes, I can't really do any Barnesy songs. He's, he's just too high for me. So I just say to people, yeah, oh, that, that's a great song, but I can't sing like that. And usually they'll go, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's more often than you expect as well. I reckon I've only seen two, maybe three, in 24 years of shooting weddings where a guest has got up and they've sung, and it's like, holy shit, you can actually sing. And they've actually performed really, really well. And one was actually quite recent. He put on damn good show. He actually put on a better show than the guy that was singing at the wedding. But we won't name names. But, yeah, that was absolutely awesome. He blew me away. like, And he blew a lot of people away. There was more people on the dance floor when he did two songs. than, uh, And he took the guitar and everything he played. Yeah, yeah, he was real good. But, yeah, more times than not, it's never good. No. And one of the worst things is when it's a drummer. And, you know, it's hard to refuse a request when it comes from the bride or groom. If they say, oh, my brother-in-law is a drummer. Can he get up for a song? And you're like, oh, well, you're paying me. It's your thing. So you let him up. And if the drum, like I said before, the drums keep the people on the dance floor. And if yeah. those drums are all over the shop, oh, my God, it is a nightmare. And most times, more times than not, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Out of a mess. Yeah. Drumming looks simple, but a oh, good drummer. No it's, it's just, yeah. It's way too confusing, I reckon. You lose out. There's too many things to hit. You two might think that, but I can tell you it's <laughs> something. 85% of the blokes on earth reckon it's easy. Oh, idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No way. But it's funny because it's even, you know, like it, it, any drummer that's had a few lessons and spent a few hours behind a kit can play a basic rock beat. It's, it's a pretty straightforward thing. But the finesse where someone actually places the tiny moment of time that their bass drum hits makes a world of difference. And I've had 
drummers that I really gel with and others that I really don't. Like I remember a gig out at um, Tom's Cap that I had the rhythm section out of Connotations with me. Those guys are absolutely world class and I just felt like I was the best musician on earth. And I was still me doing what I always do, doing the songs I've done many, many times. But just the way they played those simple parts behind me, it was like I was surfing the best wave of my life. I was just killing this gig. <laughs> they're, they're a real good bunch of musos, those guys, aren't they? Like we had them in our wedding. Very, very good. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. That's a compliment um, if there ever was one. But, um, yeah, no, I've I've um, seen them nearly as much as I've seen you throughout the years, Dan. Like, they're real good. Yeah, like yourself. Tell me. Have you got a funny story? You got a war story? Or have you got a bridezilla? What have you got? What have you got to take this out? Oh, I think I've told you my war stories now. <laughs> um, a funny one, actually, another Tom's Cap story that that I love telling was um, I was doing the ceremony and the reception, and I was playing it as a two piece this particular night with my son. Uh, miles on drums and we had uh, all manner of things go wrong just being dumb blokes before we left like we didn't leave enough time <laughs> we forgot things we so i get halfway out to tom's cap and realized i didn't have my ipad for my lyrics so had to like you bolt and screech back into town and we were already running late and I was just so stressed. So I was really, you know, when you, you panic and say so you, yep. you forget everything and you're not on anywhere near the top of your game. So then I get into this, into their chapel at Tom's Cap and everyone else is already seated. So that's the, the last thing I ever want to do like that just never happens to me. I'm, I give myself so much time normally, but this day just went wrong. <laughs> excusing my myself and carrying my things through and trying to quietly stay out of the way and hide behind a pot plant while I get my guitar out <laughs> and set things up. And then I didn't have the stand that holds my iPad. Uh, I, I had the stand but not the clip for it. So then I'm trying to balance the iPad on like a microphone stand so I could read it and because it was the special song that that asked me to learn, which was John Legend's All of Me which was a huge hit at the time, but I'd only just learned it, so I couldn't remember the words. So, so that was a stuff up. And that, there was, you know, most people are watching the couple, but there I, there was people that were just watching me, just like a comedy of errors, going, what, what is this idiot doing? He's... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm all set up. I'm finally, like, not causing a fuss and a ruckus. And that, oh, they gave me the nod, the couple are coming in, so I start the song. And what I didn't realise was it was a huge bridal party and they were all coming in slowly, one by one, and I've already started the song for the bride to come into. So, oh, so it was a different song. Oh, so yeah, they just wanted oh. they just wanted anything, just music while people are entering, and then I do all of me when the bride appears. Oh, that's confusing. So I, I started it, and then I saw whoever had told me, "Yeah, do it." Look at me with the wide eyes, like, "No, what are you doing? not yet." Stop. And I went, "Ah." Oh, I thought, oh, okay, I'll just play, like, instrumental and sing it when I see the bride. But it just <laughs> went forever. And it's not, like, most songs these days are very, very simple. There's not a lot of complexity like there used to be in Beatles songs and things like that. So I'm playing basically three chords for what seemed like 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And just trying to make it sound pretty and trying to... <laughs> 
really feel the chords. I'm just thinking, oh, my God, where is this bride? How many people are in this bridal party? <laughs> and she finally appears, and I'm like, oh, all of me. <laughs> I can finally sing this song. <laughs> so, yeah, that was – but it, it was actually an awesome wedding, and I – I'm still, I still see that bride around, and she's got a couple of kids now, and yeah. Did she pay you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was completely oblivious to any of that. You know, when she appeared, I oh, sang the song right was song, going. Yeah, and it was a great gig. We had yeah. a really good gig after that point, but it was. Oh, and the other funny thing that's just popped into my mind about that is that Miles, the my drummer, had just like he wasn't needed for that part of the the day. So he set up his gear and then just sat out on one of the tables out in the, the sun at the winery there until he looked up at one stage from his phone and realises he's right behind the bride and groom during the ceremony. So the photographer's looking straight through oh. at him. He's thinking, oh, that poor bloke, probably you, Dave, <laughs> has been trying to take photos and not have me in, or the videographer not have me in. It's normally the celebrant wow, there. Wow, I don't really remember that, so thank goodness it wasn't me. It was a rare, rough start to a, a wedding, that one, but yeah. So, Mr. Eddie, mm. to wrap things up or to, to start wrapping things up, what is your, do you have one piece of advice for people planning a wedding for music side of things to think about? Nah? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no advice. Um, that's interesting. That's not like it's you. Not yeah, bad I, do. Thing, I do. I, I think um, obviously this depends on at what stage I get contacted. So um, for anyone listening to this who hasn't done any anything yet, think about uh, the point I made earlier about the venues because that really does make a difference. You can have a pretty venue, but if it's if it's only half full because of the size of your wedding or it's not conducive to a band doesn't get people up dancing if they've been there before and people aren't dancing or if it's um you know some venues are just bad sounding rooms there's rooms that are polished floors especially concrete floors and a lot of glass and that can just be noisy no matter how quiet you try and be yeah look that that'd be my piece of advice if i could say to people okay go back in time and, and change your decision that's probably what it would be is is think about the venue in terms of the, the music and the party. Don't just think about how pretty it can look with candles and chair covers. Think about the sound and the, the party. How would they pick that? How would how would they know what to, how to pick that? Have a party and just, you know, employ Danny to sing at it before the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> There's an answer. Yes. Just do both. Have you engage a party there and, and have Danny. it out. For your yeah. Yeah. No, what, I, what I think they should do is what people tend to do with, with a lot of parts of a wedding, and that is go and see it in action, not not go there during a day. Oh, on Sunday afternoon, we're going to drive to such and such and, and have a look at the room and discuss having our wedding there. You know, that's not the right time to be doing that. They should say, when's your next wedding? Can we pop in and look through the back door, look through the kitchen or something while it's happening? You know, people want to see me in action before they book me. And I don't say, oh, well, come around during the day and we'll have a chat and it's nothing like actually seeing me mm, perform. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting. <laughs> I'd say that's really interesting. I, I, Isn't it? I, mean, I guess we do, we do that in that we have an engagement shoot. So people do get to see us in action, experience us the way we are, see themselves in our imagery. So I actually, 
yeah. yeah, why can't they do that with a reception? I know a lot of reception venues will do it so that you go there and you see it set up for a wedding, but there's no one in the room. Yeah. Um, so that's actually a really good point to sort of get an idea of what the vibe is. Yeah, that's very interesting. Like, mm. I've never thought about that before. No. Wise little Yoda. So how can we find Danny? The real Danny Eddy is the Instagram handle. Yeah, I true. I, I like yes, it. I am on Instagram under the real Danny Eddy, or yeah, I have real. Facebook page uh, Danny Eddy Music, and I'm just on Facebook as Danny Eddy as well. So I'm pretty easy to find on, on social media. You also have a YouTube. That's also called Danny Eddy. <laughs> funny that. Funny it's called Danny Eddy. There's more ego going on than I thought. <laughs> that's not ego, my friend. That's just literally putting yourself out there. That's business these days, isn't it? That's right. You need to be seen. Yes. Because a bit of an adage we have here is if you can't be seen, you may not be found. This is true. Yeah. Thanks for coming on our podcast, husband. Thanks for having me. How cute is this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, thank you, Danny, for coming on our podcast. It's, Thanks, um, It's uh, been a pleasure to have you. And it's actually been really interesting to listen to you um, talk. I mean, I've seen you play and I've heard you sing many times, but I don't think I've ever heard you talk about music like this. So thank you for sharing that with us. I would just like to say at the end of this interview, too, if you have any feedback for us on that, please let us know, send us in an email. And if you're really enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you would share it around with your friends and subscribe, hit that subscribe button so you get notifications when uh, we release an episode each week, which hopefully now that uh, the COVID restrictions are being uh, lifted, we can um, be a lot more regular with our podcast. So thank you for tuning in and um, thank you to Denny and obviously thank my co-host Kelly for this one this evening and uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.